go get some breaks this week. Yeah. Well, good morning. <laughs> we want to welcome everybody to Sunday School Victory Baptist Church. And, uh, you know, if you're searching for something to be thankful for, be thankful the wind's not blowing today. <laughs> it was cool yesterday with that wind of whipping, wasn't it? <laughs> I like Brother Lane's message there. He called it brutal weather. When I went outside, I agreed. <laughs> it was, it was uh, right, right chilly yesterday. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 John, the book of 2 John, uh, first chapter, if you would, <laughs> and our verse is uh, verse 4. The Bible says in uh, 2 John, verse 4, it says, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. You know, here in uh, 2 John, you, you kind of have to remember the aged apostle. John's a, an elderly man now. He's a man with a lot of experience and wisdom about him. And as he writes here in, in the book of 2 John, he writes to an unnamed church. And, and I believe it is, as the pastor said, a church. I, I studied up on some things and looked at some other scriptures, and, and I'd fall in, in that uh, thought line. And... Uh, you see, John, he, he, he starts off talking about truth. You know, uh, he says there in the first few uh, verses, he uses the word truth four times. You know, whom I love in the truth, and uh, they that have, known, that have known the truth, and for the truth's sake, and then, of course, in our verse, uh, walking in truth. And then later on, he, he brings into it the commandment of love. That truth is to be coupled of love. But you notice there in verse 3 that um, as he speaks of truth, you see tr truth has some traveling companions. Grace, he says, grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father. He doesn't say maybe. He doesn't say it could be. He says it will be. You know, you think of the grace of God as something you're giving that you didn't deserve. And, of course, salvation leaps to mind. The mercy of God, that he withholds his judgment because of his grace. You're not, you're not judged for and given what you do deserve. And then the peace we have with God. You know, God doesn't make war against us. We've made war against him. But God gives us that peace. He, he brokers that peace through his son, Jesus Christ. But you know, oftentimes I think in this life, we miss out on the other peace that we should have, and that is the peace of God. You know, we live in such a tumultuous world, and, and I don't know, sometimes I think we think it's just in our time, but it, it's always been that our concerns have turned towards the things of this world. But uh, I, hope, I hope you can say I have the peace of God. But, you know, as I look down through here and read this, John's, John's getting you ready for the second, second half of this, this letter where he talks about the deceivers and those that would, would uh, lead you astray. And as I look at this, I, I realize that, that John, John is um, um, building you up and giving you the tools you need to, to recognize those that would deceive and those that would pull away. You wonder where the cults get their members from? They get them right out of another church. That's what they do. That we fall easy prey because we're not well grounded in the truth. But you know, as I was looking at this, I was thinking also that not only do I believe that John's uh, getting us ready to, to see this deception... I think John is getting us ready to be identified as authentic, as authentic believers. You know, in 2014, the University of Virginia won the ACC basketball championship. They played Duke. It was a great victory, and you know, the first time in a number of uh, years that they had, had taken that championship. Through the year, a college sophomore over at the university had, had taken note how all the, all the coaches wore the same attire, the blue jacket, the khaki pants, the type of shoes they wore, and the, the 
orange tie, of course. Well, him and some buddies, they go to Walmart and they buy that attire. And one of them dresses up in it. And at that ACC championship game, as the team came out from halftime, he slips right past security and inserts himself with the team. He goes out at, when there's timeouts, he goes out on the court with them. He sits on the team bench. After the game, he was in the team lineup as they shook hands with the other team and in the team lineup where they shook hands with the head coach of their basketball team. He had just, you know what he was though? He was an imposter, wasn't he? He was an imposter. And as they went back towards the, towards the locker room, he was discovered and security escorted him off. But you know what? I think the Lord, because of these imposters that, that are in the world, the world can't hardly recognize an authentic Christian unless you're living an authentic Christian life. If you would, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And um, I, I gave some of this to uh, uh, the officers and teachers, but I want to look at a few more things later in this chapter that I believe will delineate, will separate us from the rest of the world and how we, we ought to be recognized as authentic. Look in verse 13. Paul writing here says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when we receive the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it, as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worked, worketh also in you that believe. You know, I think we're, if uh, we're going to be recognized as authentic Christians, it's going to be in how we receive the word of God. Listen, do you receive the word of God with joy and thanksgiving? Listen, do, do your neighbors uh, ever stumble upon you sitting on your porch reading the Word of God? You know, that word received, that first one, he, Paul's talking there, he says, you received the Word of God. In other words, you drew it close to you. You, you had a, a, a hunger, a desire to examine and to know. But that second word when he said, he said, you've received it not as the Word of men. You know what? That means that you imbibed it. You took it to your heart. You know, do we imbibe the Word of God? You know, when, you, when, when, I, when I sit down for dinner, and I, I'm terrible hungry, you ever been so hungry that, that you just had the shakes? I remember working in the summertime. I wouldn't stop for a break, and about one day I remember about 3 o'clock, I was just shaking. I, I, I mean, I needed some nourishment. And you know what? When you receive that Word of God, you have that hunger for it, and you receive it in truth, and with thanksgiving, you know what it does? It strengthens you spiritually. It strengthens you spiritually so that you can not only receive it, but you can obey it. You know, oftentimes we say, and I know it's true, uh, that the Word of God is uh, the owner's manual on the Christian life, on how to live the Christian life. And that is true. It is the, an instruction manual. But you know what? I look at the Word of God as a love letter, as a love letter to you. You know, when, when I was dating my wife, she'd send me letters. I, I don't know if all, all women do that or not. But on the back, she'd, I guess she'd put lipstick on, she'd kiss it, and she'd, she'd put on there sealed with a lick because a kiss wouldn't stick, <laughs> you know. But you know what, when, when I got that letter, it, you know, she'd mail them. When I got that letter, you know what, I didn't sit down in front of the TV and read that letter. I didn't sit down and try to hold a conversation with somebody and read that letter. You know why? Because it was personal. It was for me. It was for me to soak up and enjoy and realize her affection for me. Listen, how do you receive the Word of God? Is it something that's stilted? It's, it's just a, a utility to you? Well, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. Or do you receive it is from someone that loves you. Someone that when they say, no, don't do it, they've got your best interest at heart. When they say do it, they want you to enjoy it fully. How do you receive the word of God? Not only how it's received, but look down here in verse 14. The Bible says, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which are in, our, which are in Judea, are, are in Christ, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. 
For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. You know, I, I, uh, another mark, I believe, of an authentic Christian is one that has fellowship with other believers. They're part of the church. You know, God created the church so you, you wouldn't have to be alone as a Christian. You ever thought of that? You are part of the body of Christ, it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That, that, that we're members, the Bible says, in particular. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16, he says that we're fitly joined together. You know what that means? It means that God crafted you especially for the position that he has for you. You know what it says in Ephesians chapter 2? That we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There's a place for you at church. So many people got COVID. Pastor was right. He, he predicted what COVID might, would do. So many people, well, I can sit at home. Well, you can sit at home, but I don't believe you're in fellowship with God if you are. Not if you have opportunity to be at church. I understand vacations and sick, but habitual? No, I don't believe so. You know, not, not, only, not only that, but I think there should be a resilience about us as Christians. You know, I don't think it's, it's uh, by chance that when, when Paul writes this, he says, for ye brethren became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. You know, he's talking to a Gentile church here, these Thessalonian believers. He could have used Berea. He could have used Athens. He could have used any number of churches. But he goes right back to the Jewish churches, the early churches, these churches that have, have suffered persecution, these churches that understand what it is to, to uh, be scorned and to be hated. And that's what the Thessalonian believers are going through right now and then. And he takes them back and he says, look, these are the churches you, you have fellowship with. They, they, they can share in this suffering for Christ Jesus. They can learn from them. But you know what they, they mostly know? They can look and know that they can stand. They can stand. You know what Paul, remember what Paul said in Ephesians? Having done all to stand, stand, stand. And I want to tell you something. As I studied that thing about standing some time ago, the idea wasn't just standing in a defensive posture. The idea of that was standing in a posture that would allow you to advance. It was standing in a posture of, of advancement, with a mindset toward advancement. And you know, we as the Church of Jesus Christ have got to get out of this mode of batting the hatches and, and uh, hold the fort. You know, that's why Brother Lane wants to get out and visit on this bus route so we can advance the cause of Christ for Jesus Christ, for people are dying and going to hell. We need to get a vision. And that's my third point there. In verse 19 and 20, he says... For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? You know what we need? We need an eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. You know, I'll, I'll be 60 this year. I've been on, on work for this company for 40 years. I'm really probably not that far off retirement couldn't ever imagine that happening 20 years ago 30 years ago I mean that was a far away thing but here it is on my doorstep and you know I, I made plans for it though 30 years ago listen either the Lord's coming for you or he's going to bring you to him but it's going to happen but are you making those plans when we went to visit my daughter and her, her husband in Kentucky, they bought some land, and we were going out there to look at that land they had. And we went by a car lot, and it was 
Ralph's pretty good cars. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And under the sign was a, a Ford Taurus, just like one I own. <laughs> My son says it's the world's okayest car. But I thought about that. Is that the kind of Christian you want to be recognized? Just pretty good? Listen, let's be recognized for who we are and who we're meant to be in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Brother Dale. I appreciate that. Before we begin today, let's take some prayer requests, and uh, then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. I have a, a request here from Ms. Terry Williamson for her brother, uh, Ron Lebrun. Uh, he has serious asthma, and right now it's out of control. So we need to be praying for Ms. Terry's brother uh, that's battling this asthma. Then Brother Russ has one here for Brenda Ramsey. She has pancreatic cancer, and she has started taking chemo treatments. So uh, continue to uh, be praying for Brenda Ramsey. It's a lady that Brother Russ knows. And he'll be praying for her, and then he's going on here to continue to be praying for Coley. Uh, uh, Chloe, I mean, not Coley. Um, be praying for Chloe this morning. Uh, anybody else over here have some requests? Ronnie? Unspoken requests. Uh, anybody else over here? Uh, Miss Donna? Amen. Continue to be praying for Miss Donna. Boys, other ones we know that have lost loved ones, just be praying for them. Uh, this is a difficult time. And, uh, we need to be praying, lift them up in prayer. Uh, be a blessing to them. Anybody else over here? Well, on this side, this morning, Frankie. Man, be praying for Victor. He's found out that he has melanoma cancer, and he's uh, meeting with the doctors to determine the pursuit there as to how they'll treat that. So just be praying for Victor. This is Karen's brother, so need to be praying for him. Anybody else over here? Uh, Don, Kathy. Kathy? Thank the Lord for our church, his church, and that we're able to be part of. Uh, you know, it's a blessing. It should be a blessing in your life to be able to be part of God's ministry and God's work. And I do thank the pastor and Brother Lane for uh, having this meal yesterday in honor of those that help and take part. And I thank God for that and appreciation of it. But, um, anyone else, Brother Lane? She had knee surgery, right? Wasn't that what it was? Yeah. Be praying for Cindy's mom. She's having difficulty with the surgery that she had. Uh, she had a knee replacement, so we need to be praying for her this morning. Anybody else? Robin? Man, continue to be praying for Linda Fitzgerald. She fell Wednesday and broke her ankle and uh, her elbow and messed up her shoulder. Uh, she had surgery on it. Thursday or Friday, I don't know which day it was, but she's there in the hospital. Just be praying for her that she'll mend. And Dennis needs help. Uh, you know, he can't get around, can't do anything hardly, so I'll be praying for both of these. Anyone else? Uh, Meredith?
praying for Mackenzie uh, Fitzgerald. Uh, well, now she's Campbell. Yeah, be praying for her. Young lady that's pregnant, and uh, the scans show a lot of things that unknown there with fluid on the brain and uh, cysts and things. So just be praying for that situation. Anybody else over here? Uh, Rick? <clears throat> Unspoken? Russ, did you have your hand up? I mean, Russ. <laughs> Bruce. I know Bruce, he's my son-in-law. <clears throat> I do know him. Be praying for Kylie uh, and, uh, with the flare up again of her arthritis and then insurance not wanting to do, she couldn't have an infusion done, they didn't want to take care of that and then she's trying to go on some type of pill to combat that. So just be praying for that situation, her, her arthritis. Uh, that Okay, be praying for Diane Arnold. Both of them are sick. Anybody else over here? Anybody at all? Okay, with another request, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I do thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, the privilege to be able to come before you this morning. Lord, just to praise your holy name. As Brother Dale's already talked about this morning. We have such a great God. Lord, where would we be without Creator God? Lord, where would we be without peace with God? Lord, that brings the peace of God through obedience to the will of God. And Father, I'm so thankful this morning that I can call you Father. <coughs> I'm so thankful that I've passed from death into life. I've had my sins forgiven. I stand justified now before God. Why? Because of your Son, and only because of your Son. Lord, His righteousness has been imputed to my account. I'm so thankful, because I had none of my own, had nothing to offer you. Lord, I'm thankful for the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that brought life, that brings abundant life here on this earth. Lord, that's brought eternal life. Lord, we've been rescued. We've been set free. We're secure. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all that was accomplished at Calvary. And Father, I give you the glory and the praise and the honor, Lord, because you're worthy to be worshipped. Father, help us to worship you as we should. Lord, help us to have a desire to live in the will of God, not according to the flesh. Lord, set our mind and our affection on things above. Lord, seek the things that are above. Lord, you give victory through that. We don't have to live in sin. Lord, we don't have to yield our bodies to that, our minds, our ears, everything about us. Lord, we don't have to, but Father, as, as we used to live our life, Lord, before we knew the Savior, as we gave our whole body to sin, Lord, help us now that we know the Savior to give our whole being to Him, to live for Him. Father, I pray that You'll take control today of everything that's done. Lord, I pray that we'll meet You in the Word of God, not just to gain knowledge, but Lord, we'll meet You. I, that's what I want for myself, Lord. Father, we think of all the requests that's been mentioned this morning. Lord, I think of Arnold and Diane that are homesick, always here. 
Lord, I pray that you'll help them this morning physically, each of them. Lord, I think of Russ's request for Brenda Ramsey that uh, has pancreatic cancer. Lord, has begun this chemo treatment. Father, I pray that you'll keep her healthy enough to continue the treatment and Lord, just help her physically, ease the pain. Father, this morning for Chloe, Lord, I just pray for her again, lift her up. And Father, I ask that you just continue to work in her life and help her, Lord, during this time of treatments. And Father, that you'll just be with the family and help them. Lord, for uh, Miss Terry's brother, for Ron, uh, Father, that suffers from this severe asthma. Father, that is out of control right now, Lord, we just pray for him and lift him up before you and ask that you help and work in his life. Father, we think of Ronnie's request this morning, Lord, for an unspoken request. Father, you know the need. Lord, that's all that matters. Father, I pray that you'll intervene, that you'll work, that you'll prove yourself mighty. Lord, uh, whatever the situation is, Father, that you'll, you'll just work. Lord, for the other unspoken requests that have been mentioned this morning, Father, we just pray that you'll work in every situation. Lord, uh, I think of Cindy's mom this morning that's having difficulty with uh, the surgery that she had. Father, I just pray for her. Lord, that you'll be with that situation. Father, I think of Linda this morning. Lord, and the pain that she's in, and Father, from uh, the fall, and Lord, just uh, the surgery, Lord, raise her up. Father, I ask that you just uh, ease the pain. Father, that you help her ankle to mend, and her shoulder and her elbow. Father, just that you'll work in that situation. Father, for Dennis, I just pray for him this morning. Lord, that you'll help him physically. Give him the strength that's needed. Lord, just uh, provide, and and work things out there. Uh, Lord, this morning I pray for Kylie, Father, with uh, her arthritis. Uh, Lord, that you'll just work in that situation with the insurance and all that needs to go on there. Father, that you'll just uh, intervene and work. Lord, for other requests this morning that have been mentioned, Lord, for Brother Frankie's request, uh, Father, we just pray that you'll meet every need. Lord, each one that uh, has a need this morning. Lord, I'm so thankful we have somewhere to go, someone to come to. Lord, when the world we look at, Father, has no one to take their cares to that can make a difference. Father, you can. Lord, now just help me as I teach. Lord, I do want to be a blessing. Father, I want to be clear. Lord, I want to be uh, rightly dividing your word. Father, I need help to do that. Lord, bind Satan. Uh, Father, just, uh, Lord, this morning, Father, I pray that you'll be with the preaching hour to follow. Lord, may the Holy Spirit have free reign. May the Lord Jesus Christ be high and lifted up. May God the Father receive all the honor and the glory. Father, we think of those this morning that have lost loved ones. Lord, I think of Donna. Father, think of other ones, Lord, that are in pain or in grief, mourning. Father, I just pray that you'll comfort them. Lord, give them your grace. And Father, just uh, help us to be a blessing to them. Now, Lord, again, thank you for all that you've done and all you're going to do. For it's in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Take your Bible, if you will. Go back to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6. Paul continuing to build on this uh, discussion over being dead in sin. We just need to account that. It's not a matter of feeling. I said that last week. It's not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of fact. And we just need to accept the facts. If we're ever going to live victorious... We need to account that. We need to take that into account. That when Christ was buried, we were buried with Him. And when He rose from the grave, we arose with Him to walk in a new life. Not in that old life. 
I gave the example last week of a man living in slavery, being raised in slavery, and that was all that man ever knew. All he ever knew was how to be a slave. And one day he was freed. And when he was given his papers, he shouted for glory. But you know what that man did when, he, when the man that sold him left? He followed in line right behind him. That's all he had ever known. That's all he knew how to be. And I do want to say this morning that we are a slave. Everyone in this room this morning is a slave. The only question is, who's our master? Who's our master? You know, the concept of slavery, it's not a concept of today. It's, 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 we all uh, are against slavery. You know, I'm against owning anyone or anyone owning me, for that matter, especially anyone owning me. I don't want to be owned by nobody, you know. But we are all slaves. Everyone in this room this morning. And Paul continues to build on that theme. Uh, and, and I want to look at some things this morning from verses... I don't know, about 15 through the end of the chapter. And uh, this discussion uh, of the difference of being dead in sin and alive unto God. The difference in it. Let's read verses 15 through the end of the chapter. He says, What then shall we sin that has the idea of continuing in sin? Because we are not under the law, but under grace, God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of the flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness, unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free of, from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end, listen to this, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul makes some comparisons here in verses 15 through the end of the chapter. The first thing that you see here in verses 15 and 16 is that every human being in this world makes a choice. We all make a choice. When you look at verses 15 and 16, he talks about yielding. Listen, yielding is a privilege. Yielding is a privilege that we have. I was reading a, a commentary, and he, he said that, that that word yielding our members to a master, it has this idea. It means to stand as a servant near one's master. I thought that was good. When I am yielded either to sin, I am either standing near, near that and yielding myself to that, 
uh, waiting for its orders or if, if I take the privilege of yielding myself to the will of God, listen, I'm going to have to be close. I'm going to have to stand near my master. We live in a world where people say there's lots of choices. When it comes to this matter of yielding, there are only two choices. There are only two choices to be made. I will either yield to disobedience. I will either yield to the flesh. I will either yield to evil. Or I will yield to obedience. Or I will yield to the will of God for my life. Those are the only two choices that are made. Verses 15 and 16 we see these choices. He says in verse 15, What then, shall we sin because we are under the law? We are not under the law, but under grace. God forbid. Verse 16, he goes on to say, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. Two choices, sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. We will, we will yield to one or the other. We can walk in rebellion. And many believers today do walk in rebellion. There are times in my life, there are times in your life when we walk in rebellion. We don't walk after the will of God. We walk after what the flesh wants, what that old man wants, that, that past man wanted. You know, the, the, the flesh only wants what the flesh wants and it's always evil. It's always corruption. It's always contrary to the Word of God. Always contrary to the will of God. We can live that way. Or, instead of yielding to sin, as verse 16 says here, we can walk in righteousness. Two choices. I'm going to make, I'm going to serve one of those masters, and so are you. One of them. One of the two of them. I'm going to obey it. I can choose to walk in the will of God and be pleasing to Him. So often, what do we do? We, we do just like the guy I gave the illustration of last week that was freed. He was freed. That slave had been freed. But what did he do? He didn't count it. He didn't account that. He didn't reckon that. He didn't know that. And he just followed right in line with the old way again. Because to him, that's all I know. But when you go over to Romans chapter 12, you don't have to turn there. You know these verses. But in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, listen to this. The Apostle Paul says, I beseech, in other words, I beg. I beg you, therefore, brethren, children of God, that's what he's talking to, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God isn't asking anything unreasonable. It's our reasonable service. It's nothing unexpected. He says in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. 
What's God doing? What's God saying? I beg you to walk in that newness of life. Don't follow the flesh. You see, we've been given victory. It's ours. And we're going to make a choice. I make a choice. Listen, and it's not a, a, a one-time choice. I make, this, I make this choice every day, every moment of the day. Because you know why? Comes knocking at the door. Oh boy. Here comes knocking at the door. Am I going to open it? Allow that old sin to dominate? But you know who else stands and knocks at the door? What's it say in, is it Roman, I mean, Revelation 3? Something. It's in chapter 3. What's he say? I stand at the door and knock. If any man open up unto me, I'm paraphrasing. I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. But I'm going to open the door. You're going to open the door. It's a choice. And the choice is ours. Evil either unto wickedness or sin or disobedience or rebellion or to righteousness, holiness, the will of God, one of them. Verses 15 and 16 makes that clear. We either open the door, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. The choice is ours. That word in verse 16, you ought to underline a word. It says, know ye not that to whom ye yield your servants to the next word. Obey. Obey. I was reading a commentary on this again, and he's the one that said it had the idea of answering a knock at the door. I like that. It has the idea of answering a knock at the door. To obey it. The choice of how we live is ours. It's mine. It's yours. I can't choose for you. You can't choose for me. But the choice of how we live is ours. Two choices. Serve the flesh or serve the Lord. Serve the flesh unto death. That's the reward of it. Or serve the Lord unto righteousness. Not only is there a choice made But after the choice is made, there's a change that's made. Look at verses 17 and 18. In verse 17 it says, But God be thanked that you were, catch hold of that, you were, not ye are, ye were the servants of sin. Past. That's, That's past. You were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. You know what that word form means? We know what a form is. We use forms all the time. I use forms all the time. What what the idea was here of taking a form and taking that molten gold and making it into a predetermined cast a predetermined thing, something different. We all use molds. Listen, I have been made into something different because of the blood of Christ, because of my faith in Christ, I have been made into something different. I'm no longer what I used to be. I'm a new person. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. We don't only make choice, but there's a change that takes place when we receive Christ. Our past, he talks about there in verse 17. He says, you were the servants of sin. That's before we trusted Christ. Before we were servants of sin. What's Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 say? 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, And you hath he quickened. What's that word quickened mean? It means to be made alive. It means to be resurrected. And you hath he quickened who were dead. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past, the past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, what we used to be, and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were. I love that. Everything is past. Catch hold of it. It's not what it's supposed to be now. It's what we used to be. When we only had one nature... He says, you were the nature of children of wrath. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. You're saved. That's now. That's now. We've been delivered. You and I have been redeemed. We have something to shout about. We're not what we used to be. It's a change. There should be a change. When the, that resurrection pictures a change. The Lord's life changed after resurrection. He wasn't the same. Where is He now? He's not here. He's seated at the right hand of God. His life changed. My life should change. When I accept Christ, my life should never be like it used to be. I'm not to let sin control me. A change takes place. Verse 17 talks about our past. When we lived in that terrible time of slavery. Verse 17b, he talks about our faith. The last part of that verse says, But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. The day that you and I trusted Christ, the day that I answered His knock at my heart's door, my life changed. My life changed. Your life changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, familiar verse. We're not that old person anymore. Our freedom. Look at our freedom in verse 18. It says, Being then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ purchased my freedom. He purchased my freedom from the slavery of sin. I was a slave to sin. Listen, you're going to be a slave this morning. You are a slave. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has freed us from that slavery of sin. He purchased us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 says, Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Galatians 4 Five. All talks about redemption. Talks about redemption. First Peter one, eighteen and nineteen. Listen to first Peter one, eighteen and nineteen. It says, For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, Christ purchased us. That's what that word redeemed means. He bought us. In verse 18 and 19 here of 1 Peter, it even goes further. Not only did He pay the payment, a ransom for us, He paid the 
payment there, he bought us out of that slave market of sin. We've been purchased. We've been set free. We're secure. We're freed. There's other verses. You could go on and read uh, Galatians 4, 5. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, as read. But in verse 19, back in Romans here in chapter 6, talks about the past and the present, the old life and the new life. The thing that if we could just get a hold to, just as I served sin wholeheartedly in my old life, hey, how did we serve it? We served it pretty good, didn't we? We made it a good master. We served it. If I would serve my new master the way I served my old master, what a difference. And that's what we're to do. It's what you and I are to do. The reward. There's a, there's a whole lot more right here, but I want to look quickly at the reward in verses 20 through 23. Listen, both have a reward. Serving sin has a reward. Serving the Lord has a reward. Verse 20 says, For when you were servants, the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Listen, in other words, they both can't go to, hey, you don't serve them both. You'll serve one or the other. He says, when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. There was none there. Verse 21, he says, What fruit? Fruit. They both bring fruit. They will both produce something. He says, What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. It's death. Serving the flesh, rebelling against God, brings one thing. You know what the reward of that is? You know what the fair compensation of that is? Death. It's death. I love verse 22. I circled the second word there. It says, but now, but now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit. There it is again. There was fruit for the unrighteous. There's fruit for righteousness. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end. Listen, the end of serving the flesh was what? Death. The end of serving God is what? Everlasting life. You know, I was talking to Brother Jim last night. Most people have in their mind that in order to go to hell, I do nothing. And to a certain point, don't get me wrong, to a certain point, that is true. You do nothing. But you have to work to go to hell. Did you know that? You'll work on it. God has put obstacles here on this earth. God has put obstacles in your life to try to keep you from going to hell. You have the church. You have the Lord's church. That's an obstacle. You have the word of God. That's an obstacle. You have praying people. That's an obstacle. I mean, I could go on and on. There's lots of obstacles. You have God in nature. God in creation. All these things are obstacles that a person has to cross over. He has to cross over them in order to go to hell. You work to go to hell. God placed things here on this earth to deter you from that. It's not just doing nothing. Verse 23, he said, The wages or the payment of sin is death. Listen, in other words, the wages, the fair compensation for it, for your work to go to hell, you work to go to hell. He says there in the latter part of verse 23, but the gift. 
Listen, I don't work to go to heaven. Heaven's a gift. It's a free gift. I'll work to go to hell. I'll work to serve that master. Because God put obstacles here in my life and in your life. Listen, there's obstacles in this world's life to, to hinder them from going to a place of separation from God in the lake of fire. I, I, I just wrote down some things here real quick. How does the life of sin pay? Listen, it pays with a wicked life. Verse 20. It pays with a wasted life. Verse 21. It pays with a life of death. Verse 21 and 23. Ultimate. That's the ultimate payment of a sinful life. What about a life of salvation? How's it pay? Listen, it's far better than a wasted life. It's so much better than a wicked life. It's so much better than a life of death. It's a life of purpose. Verse 22. Just, just read these things. It's a life that has purpose. A sinful life pays only death. Life given to Christ, it brings everlasting life. Wages, or I wrote down here, wages are something that we work for. A gift is something that I simply receive. I just received it. God's love. Thank God for John 5, 24. It says that ye who were dead and trust. No, that's not how it goes. John 5, 24 says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, present tense, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but, is passed from death into life. What is it for you this morning? Who's your master? We have a master. I do and you do too. Who is it? 